welcome back to another episode of Underrated. I'm Lefty. And I'm Bo. And we're here to talk about uh, a couple underrated names uh, from this year's NBA draft. Definitely. Definitely. Welcome back, Lefty. Uh, hope you enjoyed your extended holiday weekend. Was uh, was the 4th of July a big holiday for you growing up? Um, a little more growing up, less so now that I live in a place with wildfires. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know it was huge for me, but, uh, you know, like as an adult, I feel like it's it's not even the kids shooting off fireworks anymore. I feel like it's the drunken parents saying, hey, I've had I've had 12 Mick Ultras. I know what I'm doing. Stand back. I'll handle it from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's actually pretty much how it's always been. <laughs> I actually, in general, I don't even feel like going outside is priority for so many kids anymore. I guess there's just like too much cool shit to do indoors these days. Yeah. Uh, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> let me, uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me dust myself off here. Uh, I remember getting up at like 8 a.m., you know, going outside in the heat, you know, and uh, preparing myself to die of a heat stroke as opposed to going indoors to do anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, technology story. has come a long way in those those decades. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, Sega Dreamcast. A little before my technology. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I had major FOMO as a young person, too. Like, I, I kind of lived further away from my friend's group, and uh, I always felt like they were planning cool shit without me, so I, I that wasn't going to happen on my watch. Like, I had to be there. Even if we sat on a porch all day in the heat with nothing to do, that's the way it was going to be, and uh, I wasn't allowing anything else. That's understandable. Yeah, there, were, there was nothing to miss out on where I lived. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. There were only a, literally a couple hundred people in my my hometown so uh not a lot going on definitely definitely so anyways you know, some big headliners to to cover since our last episode but you know we we're gonna jump into the nba draft since it's come and gone here i was actually in florida on a water at a waterfront bar watching this live just drunk like taking shots <laughs> everyone was looking at this you know, beautiful scenery outside. There was so much happening, and I was just staring at at the television and just watching the NBA draft. And uh, I was blown away. I really was. This was uh, this was an exciting draft. A lot of a lot of things happened. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty high uh, shooting percentage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Uh, yeah. I mean, right off the bat, the Orlando Magic. Uh, selecting uh, Paulo Banchero first overall, that that took me out. And don't get me wrong, I think this guy is a bona fide baller, and I think he's going to come out hot right away. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he was rookie of the year. But to pass on Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, I I had to do a double take, you know. But I get it, I get it. I think it's a great pick, and I love the NBA draft uh, because of exactly this sort of moment you know so uh yeah what'd you think yeah i mean it was it was surprising you know everybody had uh jabari going first there until what maybe 30 minutes or an hour before the draft for so sure that last minute <laughs> excitement uh was was definitely a change of pace and definitely uh you know also we gotta talk about these trades 
there I mean there it was it was crazy to keep up with these trades. So I mean one of the biggest ones for me is the complete unraveling slash immediate rebuild of the NBA Finals contender Utah Jazz. Um since Quinch Snyder just unexpectedly said I'm I'm stepping down, I'm walking away, they need a new voice and they have just completely unraveled. And um, they sent Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves for basically the farm. I mean, not only did the, did the Wolves get Walker Kessler, but they got the 2023, the 25, the 27, and the 29 first-round picks from the Wolves. And they have an option in 26 to swap first-rounders for Rudy Gobert, who is obviously a game-changer when you pair that with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, but probably the best defensive player in the league but holy shit wow crazy there yeah yeah definitely a huge unexpected trade um but you kind of wonder how how long will gobert be at the top of his game like he is now right right you know um it's it's hard to say you know this move frees up you know edwards and towns to be who they need to be I completely understand, but what does this do for the future? I mean, that's a lot of stock to give up. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know the numbers exactly, but uh, it, it seems to me that at least you know, using my my baseball experience, you know, there's 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 always it's always better to take the the guaranteed player, the the established superstar over the prospects so you know i i don't know how these draft picks will will turn out but uh i think i think that uh you know getting gobert was a pretty solid move for them definitely now i would say normally that the top five and there's usually players you expect but i i gotta throw this out here I don't like the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> I just think that they just make <laughs> piss poor organizational decisions. And again, in this draft, they did it again. And I'll, I'll start off with this. Like we talked about, we saw Banchero go number one. We saw Holmgren go number two. We see Jabari Smith go number three. And then Sacramento comes in and they just ruin the fun and they ruin the fun all the time. I, it, it's just, <laughs> they do this. This is just embedded in their, their DNA for whatever reason. They just hate the fun. So uh, they, they take Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Now I want to be clear. Amazing talent, arguably one of the best players in all of college basketball. Um, I just think they had an opportunity to take a high-end guard to pair with one of my personal favorite young talents in the league, De'Aaron Fox, and they didn't do that. They went with the power forward, and um, there was a lot of drama leading up to this. You know, Jaden Ivey, who went to Detroit with the number five pick right after, I guess had made some comments that he didn't want to go to Sacramento. Sacramento sucks, whatever the deal is, Mm -hmm. but still. Does I mean, anybody ever want to go to Sacramento? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You, I mean, exactly, right? Who? I just don't think that's a good enough explanation for not taking them. And, you know, Murray is a tremendous player, 
and he's going to show out wherever he's at. But again, you had Jaden Ivey, you know, from Purdue. You had Benedict Mathurin from Arizona, and you had Shaden Sharp, all guards. They, they were the three next consecutive picks. You had a great opportunity to grab somebody. And, um, you know, the, the Kings just do what they do. Uh, I get where they're going with this pick. I mean, he's one of the best players on the board, obviously. But I, I just feel like, you know. Yes, sometimes, you know, scheme and team needs are a little more important than just the, the highest rated player available. Right, definitely. Um, any surprises for you in that, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, the first round? Um, nothing overwhelming other than that big trade up front. Uh, sure. I, I was, I mean, as you kind of touched on, uh, with Sacramento, I was kind of surprised to see, uh, Ivy fall to five. I thought he'd get picked up in that four spot, uh, just because he had such a explosive year. He's such an explosive talent. He looked, you know, just a league of his own at Purdue. Um, you know, all, but all, you know, that whole first round was full of just, great big 10 players whether it be sure. murray ivy or uh you know johnny davis there at 10 uh that was a, that was just surprisingly deep conference this year in terms of draft picks yeah absolutely i i i my eyes were on the san antonio spurs who had three picks in the first round and i really truly believe that they they were true winners i mean they just had some solid picks you know they uh they had the, uh, the the Polish power forward from Baylor, you know, uh, Jeremy Sokin. They they had Malachi Branham, who is one of my favorite players in the draft. I, I was I, I'm shocked that he fell to 20, but uh, he was there for the Spurs, and uh, you know, finally they got Blake Wesley, you know, out of Notre Dame. So I think uh, they're in the middle of a rebuild. They they just traded. DeJounte Murray to the Hawks, um, their best player. Um, he had nothing but good things to say about the Spurs organization and what they're doing for him, giving him a chance to continue improving and and uh, playing for a contender. Um, you know, with Greg Popovich there and some great minds, I f- this organization is going to continue to to build and build quickly and, and have the right pieces in place. So I, I, I they were really my first uh, my round one winners. Yeah, for sure. They had a, a you know a couple of deep selections there. Um, you know, another thing I'm kind of curious about it's the second uh, second season in which uh, players were drafted out of the the G League, the Ignite. Definitely, definitely. Um, and I'm I'm curious to see how they'll how they'll continue to progress. You know, I think it was two first round players last year, um, only one this year. But again, three players were selected out of the G League Ignite. Um, I, I'm curious to see uh, how how that league continues to develop talent, and you know whether it whether it's been a fruitful endeavor. For sure, I I love the purpose that the G League serves. It's an option for you know high school recruits who want to forgo college and get right into playing with more mature athletes um what you could consider um higher competition just a step ahead but uh, also just getting you know one leg up on that experience so i yeah definitely um i know we're probably going to take a quick break here when we get back i want to discuss one of those players out of the g league that um we were just talking about 
So we'll uh, get right back into that. Stay tuned. And we're back. All right. So you wanted to touch on one of those G League players. Yeah. Uh, Man, you know, earlier I was uh, I was consumed by talking shit in regards to the Sacramento Kings. You know, selecting an amazing player, but uh, probably finding a way to screw it up. So <laughs> let's let's talk redemption here, right? Let's, we'll fast forward. Round two. So we're at the 37th overall pick. And Sacramento now has the opportunity to turn up the volume here. My eyes are on this, and I'm, I'm reading this, and, you know, it's, who are they going to take? So they take exactly what I believe they need. You know, a player that I'm going to touch on right now, uh, Jaden Hardy, you know, a guard from the G League's Ignite team. So the Ignite had what we'll call a big three. Uh, Dyson Daniels, he went eighth overall to the Pelicans. Marjan Beauchamp. He went 24th overall to the Bucks, And, you know, in my opinion, and I think most experts thought prior to the draft that Hardy was going to go somewhere between 20 and 30, you know. But uh, a lot happened in his lone season with the Ignite, and his, his stock dropped pretty dramatically. Um, so before we jump into why I think he's a steal, let's talk about the 37th pick, you know. Here I am going, okay, well, now this makes sense for the Kings. What do they do? They, they trade, trade him to they the traded, Mavericks. They trade him to the fucking Mavericks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. So, with that being said, Mavericks have their own slew of issues there. I, there's so many people boycotting, you know, uh, Mark Cuban's existence. Um, you know, I know they're going through a lot there. There's been so many changes within the organization, but... Um, Let's just talk about Jaden Hardy. How did we get here? So why do I think he's one of the biggest sleeper picks in the draft? Let's recap. First of all, there's no other way to put it. This kid can ball, man. I mean, a consensus five-star recruit out of high school. I mean, literally the number two ranked player in the country coming out of high school. Received offers from Kentucky and UCLA, among others. You know, just... I think all Power Five schools. I mean, there was a plethora of schools that offered, uh, you know, opportunities. But he opted to forgo college basketball, and like we just talked about, sign with the G League. So, let's get right into it. He averaged 17.7 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 3.2 assists per game last season. Like, those are solid numbers. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and just as a as a you know a bit of an outsider. How do you uh, rank the skill level of the G League? You know, I would say if, if for uh, what we could say, you know, fair weather NBA fans who are the majority of people, you know, I, I, I meet in, in my world for the most part, it's, uh, I, I would say that it's triple A. It's triple A baseball, right? Um, that's that's where you're at. You, you, you have a, a combination of, you know, Great athletes, five-star recruits, uh, you know, people trying to make a name for themselves and just wanting to get ahead of the competition that are that are that are in the G League. But um, yeah, I mean, it, those are solid numbers. Marjan Bochamp, he's a forward, yes, but he averaged you know 15 points, 
uh, 7.3 rebounds and 2.3 assists per game, just to compare. And, and he was selected 13 spots higher. So why, right? The bottom line is he shot 35% from the field and 27% from the three. So he struggled, you know? Um, now all of a sudden everyone's saying, okay, sure, baller in high school, but now we've exposed all these weaknesses. His shot selection sucks. He lacks consistency. But if you really break down his game log, you'll see as the season progressed, he started to really develop as an absolute playmaker. What, go, you can go on YouTube and literally watch videos. I mean, he scored in double figures in each of his last eight games after just a, 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 an incredibly slow start, almost as if he said, okay, I'm struggling in these areas. I need to adapt. And he did so to the benefit of uh, Daniels and Bochamp, as I had mentioned. I mean, he opened up opportunities for those two more and more. And that's what you do, you know, as a leader. So um, he continued to improve as a passer and as a defender. But that's an area that he, he, he needs to work on. If you watch tape, his three-point range is insane. I mean... Lefty, we just got done watching Curry and Poole in the NBA Finals. I'm talking on that level, without a doubt. Um, so, you know, some players thrive when they're paired up with other great players, but sometimes you're still trying to find your game, right? I mean, I think you can attest to this. At 20 years old, you've been the bonafide number one in every setting up until that point. Sometimes you just struggle to convert your game as a part of a system. I mean, how many yeah, times totally. have we seen that in every sport, right? Yeah, especially, you know, in that league where you're surrounded by, you know, some some players who are, you know, I think I think there's somebody on the Ignite who's what, almost forty years old? Like, right. That, Absolutely. That's a lot of a lot of growth from a kid who was playing against fourteen year olds the year before. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the second half of his season really proved a lot, I think, you know. I honestly don't understand how he made it out of the first round. In fact, you know, Mavs GM Nico Harrison said that they had him rated so much higher that they were just shocked when he was still falling, but saw a trade opportunity to grab him from the Kings who will, I mean, I mean they'll give anything away. I mean, they're, they're probably <laughs> selling seats in the stands for whatever they can get. I'm not sure what they're going to do with it, but um, I'm going to say it here. You know, I love the underdogs. I love the sleepers. I think now he's going to a team and he's going to get a play with, you know, Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, they just traded for Christian Wood in the draft from, uh, from the Rockets. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be healthy and back. Like, th this is a perfect situation for him to be in. And I absolutely see him adding instant offense to this team. So, you know... Um, my my opinion is that Jaden Hardy's going to come on the scene. He's going to develop. I think, I think next season is still going to be a developmental season for him. But I think year two, we're going to see this really pay off. He just signed a three year contract contract with the Mavericks. Um, he's going to be playing with some great players. Uh, he's got some great coaching around him. I I think this guy is going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think he definitely has that potential. Uh... We'll see how it turns out. I think that, you know, just the, the influence of being around someone like Luca 
who is, you know, so prolific at such a young age will, oh, yeah. will definitely be a calming presence to him. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens this season and, uh, you know, how much time I know that contracts two way. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, time sure. he spends on the active roster on the active bench. But, uh, yeah, if he gets the opportunity, he, he could uh, produce quite a bit. I think so. I think so. Let's uh, let's take a breather here and uh, we'll jump into someone you want to talk about. Yeah, totally. We'll be right back. And we're back. So, Bo, we are going to jump to the other side of the equator. All right. Going to South America. Oof. So, sounds, uh, sounds, sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> um so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about the uh second round pick drafted 55th overall by the warriors a 6-8 forward gui santos gui santos so uh gui just turned 20 and he had been playing uh professionally in in the nbb the professional league in brazil uh since 20 the 2018 2019 season so he, he's been playing pro overseas for quite a while uh, but you know, it's really, it's not easy to get a good judge of how, uh, how talent will translate to the, you know, NBA game from, from foreign leagues as, you know, style structure play is just different. Um, sure. you know, and he never averaged more than 10 points per game in any season in the NBB, never had any real standout numbers, but he did so show some, uh, you know, flashes of higher scoring ability, uh, during some, you know, FIBA tournaments. Sure. But, you know, as many first rounders and second rounders have uh, when they don't have, you know, explosive numbers, uh, you know, or standout skills to fall back on. He's got that projectable size and athleticism. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you know, that's what got pushed him to get, you know, pushed him to be drafted in the second round there. Um, But we've had a really good look at him for the first uh, couple games of the summer league here. Oh, yeah. And, uh. You know, he's absolutely exploded out of the gate. Definitely. I I mean, he just, I mean, he just blew up the other day. I think it was a 20 plus point performance, but, um, you know, I've been, I've been hearing so much. I saw a few clips, but, uh, his passing. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. He had that viral clip of, uh, to, to, to steal the soccer term nutmeg, um, he passed yeah. it between the legs of his defender, um, Definitely. for the assist there. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, uh, projecting draft steals from the first three summer league games is kind of an exercise in futility. <laughs> but uh, I think everybody's been surprised by what Santos has done through these first handful of games. Yeah. You know, he's averaged 14 points on 24 minutes a game while shooting 50% from the floor and 40% from beyond the arc, which I think is the most surprising thing. Um, uh-huh. Not a lot of the draft reports had him as a big uh, three-point shooter. But he's he's shown, you know, a pretty pretty quick shot and uh, a pretty good three point shot. Uh, if he can continue, you know, that that shooting beyond the arc, uh, he could quickly uh, become a rotation player with the Warriors, who are very deep at for, or very deep, very weak at forward. Right. If right. you look at the depth chart now, ESPN has Andrew Wiggins as both the starting small and power forward. <laughs> yeah, they definitely need some help. This was. Uh... This is, uh, I love this pick. I agree with you. I love this pick. I, I, you know, I, I think he's exactly, he fits the bill, right? I mean, he's a super athletic wing. He's got 
some playmaking skills, good frame. I mean, he attacks right off the dribble. Obviously, we just talked about it. I know it's one viral clip, but he's got great passing instincts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with uh, an organization like Golden State, who has a great history, of, as we've seen, of just developing players, finding their areas of improvement and being able to build on that and also utilizing their strengths, uh, this, is, this is an awesome one. Yeah, totally. And for such a late pick, it, it, it's looking like a steal at this point. And I think, I think as we touched upon, you know, that the excellent vision and passing that he's displayed in these games is super surprising. Um, you know, I'm not all that familiar with this style of play in professional basketball in Brazil, but I have watched a f- surprising amount of like FIBA events. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I've seen, there is like no emphasis on, on, you know, passing and assists and sure. play development the way there is, you know, stateside here. Um, so, you know, it's likely that we didn't really have a chance to show off or sharpen those skills in that tournament play. So yeah. it, it was it's really an unknown coming in. But, uh, you know, so far he's shown really solid awareness when driving to the basket and hitting open men on, you know, cleaner shots. You know, he, he's taken, he's pulled defenders in and passed to the open man, which is about all you could ask for, especially in that Golden State system you know, where they always have open three-point shooters. If he can pull defenders towards the basket and hit the open man, he'll play there every day. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, his shot looks better than the actual results he's getting. Um, But, you know, he's got sort of a, you know, like an underground, like deep following. Like he's got a little bit of a fan base out there. You know, yeah, it's uh, I was uh, on the social meds. And uh, <laughs> I, um, I saw a few people, you know, hashtagging the uh, Brazilian Doncic. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think that's a little early, and that might be a jump here. You know, but... that, that, that Warriors fan base is pretty <laughs> rabid, though. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's all their, uh, that's a, that's all their old school Hell's Angels uh, Oakland a... chapter fans. <laughs> There's probably still 10% of that fan base that thinks Jordan Poole is like the next LeBron. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I uh, Jordan Poole, a great player, um, going to uh, going to develop into uh, just an, an awesome athlete. But uh, yeah, I uh, they are a rabid fan base. They sort of jumped the gun, just a little bit. But nonetheless, I, I think that Santos has a, you know a, a pretty bright future. He could definitely use some work defensively, and you know his finishing at the basket is a little weak. That that finesse I think should come. And, sure. you know, he's he seems to be a pretty high-energy player, so I think he'll definitely put the work in to, to you know, turn that corner. And the other thing definitely. is that, you know, he's going to be developing right there with Draymond, um, which will right. undoubtedly help him shore up those defensive abilities. And, you know, he could turn around into a, turn into a pretty well-rounded player. Um, right. You know, with his current skill set and the flashes that he's shown, along with some development defensively and, at you know, finishing at the basket, he has all of the tools to become a pretty successful player for a long time in the NBA. For sure. You know, I was, I was as we were talking, you know, I'm watching a few clips and, uh, you know, I obviously you, you can never predict, predict, you know, I don't know how to predict how his offensive style of play is going to translate immediately to the NBA. Um, but um, I, I see that, uh, you know, being with the Golden State Warriors, 
they're going to be able to really look deeper into this. I think that he needs to improve his lateral speed and quickness. I mean, I, those are going to be roadblocks a little bit, um, but I think, uh, you know, he'll probably spend the majority of his rookie year in the G League, as we just talked about. Um, you know, that's probably the route that they're going to go. But um, I like the pick. I just think there's a high upside. Um, oh, yeah. And especially, you know, taking a look at him. I mean, this guy adds another 15, 20 pounds, you know, here, um, you know, just in the next few months. Uh, it's not going it, to it, – it's only going to uh, improve his abilities. You know, he won't lose any fluidity in his shot. I think it'll um, – you know, like we talked about, he's got a he's got a crazy step back three. Yeah, yeah. Um, just just watching some clips here, and uh, he's a an aggressive help defender. So, uh, yeah, I love it, man. I I think it's a it's a great pick, and you know, again, I have to give it to the Warriors. They um they've been smart. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, he seems like a very solid pick for being one of the final four picks of the draft. Like he right. fell very far, and I, I don't. I'm not actually 100 certain what he was projected at, but that seems like, uh, you know, it seems like a very late time for him to go. Um, and I think in a year or two, if we revisit this, uh, there'll be a handful of teams that are upset they didn't they didn't take him a lot earlier. For sure, let's uh, let's let's see those Gui Santos jerseys selling off the <laughs> shelves there. You know, he you never know. He may he might be holding the. Uh, you know, a trophy in his hands with this organization here in his, uh, in his rookie season. You never know. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, I wanted to talk about one more player. I want to jump from the final four picks of the the draft to someone who didn't get drafted. Sure. So there there were a handful of solid undrafted free agent signings. Um, oh, definitely. Most notably is probably Travion Williams out of Purdue and then uh, Kenny Lofton Jr., Kenny not, Lofton Jr. <laughs> not related to the uh, underrated baseball player, but uh, right. I, I mean, Lofton was uh, in the news just just bodying Chet Holgram. Uh, I think yesterday, just uh, yes. <laughs> just taking it to him. He's, he's uh, you know, they're you know both Williams and Lofton are both uh, pretty similar sized players. I mean, not exactly, but they're both uh, they both have some mass. <laughs> but uh you know outside of those you know top undrafted free agent signings um i want to talk about a player at a davidson who might be the best three-point shooter in the class not steph curry exactly we're talking <laughs> about hyun jung lee so right. hyun jung lee is a six seven winger from south korea who was signed by the hornets and, uh, you know, he's looking to become only the second ever South Korean player to accumulate minutes in the NBA. So, wow. un unfortunately, he was actually projected, you know, as a second-round pick. But uh, I think that a foot injury that he uh, accrued during uh, draft workouts will uh, actually hurt his draft stock, and it'll actually keep him out a couple of months. And that's probably what led to his undrafted status. But, you know, outside of that, as a junior Lee became just the 11th player in NCAA history to finish a season shooting 50% overall, 40% from three, and 90% from the charity stripe. That's just insane scoring. That you know, just in insane efficiency. He ended his three seasons at Davidson with a three-point percentage just under 40. It's like, you know, 
Sure. And uh, scored uh, 500 points from beyond the arc in 80 games with the Wildcats. Where Lee truly stands out, though, is actually his shooting off the screen. Last season, he was second in the country in points off the screen with 164. He just has this insane fluid movement and ability to read the defense in this very quick shot that really allows him to capitalize when shooting off the screen. And it's a super refined skill um, that, uh, you know, nobody else in the draft really can compete with. I'm not sure how, how familiar you are with him. He's kind of a, you know, that mid-major basketball uh, kind of slipped through the cracks, unfortunately. For sure. And I, so uh, I've seen the name. And uh, right when you said Davidson, it rang a bell. You know, um, just a little bit on his history here, though. I mean, he didn't attend any school until he, he came to Davidson in the U.S., correct? Um, I, I, I mean, I think that might have been his first U.S. school. I, I think, think he did play at an academy in, in Korea. I'm not 100% certain. Definitely. You know, just kind of reading up on him a little bit i mean just the three-point shooting versatility mid-range shooting versatility um i mean he's a career 40 percent shooter from deep and uh, he averages uh, you know about five attempts per game but um i mean i think uh this may be a name that so many have overlooked and i know that uh he just worked out for the charlotte hornets but we... Yeah, so he signed with the Hornets. But he did sign with the Hornets. He did. Hey, future lefty here. Uh, just following up here with a little correction. Uh, apparently, I was struggling reading uh, yesterday uh, because Lee has not signed anywhere. He's actually back in Korea recovering from that foot injury and will be back stateside uh, to pursue that NBA career once his uh, foot recovers. So hopefully we see him in the future. Sign with the Hornets, but, uh, you know, it looks like he's going to be out for a couple of months, I believe. Sure. Um, uh, but, you know, he, he, the the thing with his game is that uh, that's the only thing he has. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not super explosive. He's not traditionally athletic. He doesn't have, like, a quick first step uh, or really any, you know, tuned ability to score at the basket. His game sure. is very one-dimensional. Although, yeah. you know, throughout college, he did show, like, high motor, and he did crash the boards and pick up six rebounds per game mm-hmm. last season, which is pretty high when you when you talk about a wing player. Um, so I think with that, uh, you know, rebounding determination and great shooting, it won't take much to lift Lee into some semi-regular playing time. Right. I don't know if he's going to become a star, uh, unlikely, but... I think with that incredible ability, he's going to see a lot more playing time than a lot of the names drafted, and you know right. every every name drafted in front of him. Um, yeah, I mean it's you know it's such a unique. Um, there's so many unique characteristics. When I say unique, it's very specific, right? Because there's just not a lot of low usage, high three point attempt like volume. You know, <laughs> yeah, six yeah. foot eight wings that. Yeah can shoot as efficiently as he can from long range. So, I mean, this is a very specified role. What I did read that I find interesting, and this may sound, you know, extremely deep and super nerdy, but this is the kind of shit we like on this show. 
he was 16th in free throw rate. So what that says is that he's got an increased ability to draw contact and generate fouls compared to, you know, other movement shooters, you know, in, uh, in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. When you're taking that many shots off the screen, you're gonna, you're gonna get bumped. Definitely. But he's got good feet. He understands where he needs to be. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very, obviously he's got a very specific set of skills. So the system has to be specific. Um, so, yeah, yeah, but when you think about, you know, specific opportunities to come into the game, whether it be, you know, definitely off of a turnover or, a, you know, out of a timeout where you need those quick points, um, definitely. you know, in, in design to plays, he, he's definitely someone that could uh, be utilized in that regard. But, right. you know, it wouldn't take much, you know, a little bit of development on his passing if he could, you know, develop some vision and, you know, see open scores, uh, you know, off the screen. Um, and maybe just a little bit of work on defense, he could have a pretty long career. I mean, if you think For about sure. it, you know, Kyle Korver played 18 years in the NBA off of just being able to hit a three. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great Eight, comparison. That's 18 I mean, that's, years. That's outstanding right there. Yeah, I mean, um, the NBA, especially at this time, um, you know, has created a system for just bonafide role players, right? Yeah, we talk, yeah. We touch on this in other episodes, but I mean... Um, He'll obviously need to offer something besides shooting to be a, a reliable yeah. re- rotation player, but yeah, if, he he does have uh you know upside in 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 in, uh, in other um in other aspects of his game and hey you know if you can make a career out of being a strict situational player as you just mentioned with Corver, hey that that's gonna work that's yeah. what people that's uh, there's there's a one of those players on every single team in the league you know yeah yeah. You know, and, and, you know, if he can, you know, continue to get those sneaky rebounds a handful of game uh, and, you know, maybe just, you know, refine his passing a little bit, he, he really could uh, spend some time in the NBA and uh, be a real surprising undrafted name out of this class. Well, I'm all for it, man. Um, you know, uh, Han Jung Lee out of Davidson. Yeah. So uh, is there anybody else you wanted to talk about or? Well, any any you know, we're underrated to- names? Yeah, you know, we're we're on the topic of uh, the uh, NBA draft, and I had mentioned earlier that, um, you know, there were a, a few different surprises uh, within the first round alone, but uh, I, I wanted to kind of touch on um, Malachi Branham, the number 20 overall for the Spurs. Like I said, you know... Uh, they picked a trio of one and done prospects and um, you know Malachi came out of Ohio State I mean he surged during Big Ten play um, yeah yeah he really came into his own at the end of the season um, you know and he's been a highly regarded player in you know Midwest basketball for a while I think he was Mr. Basketball in Ohio for sure for sure I you know he struggled a little bit defensively in his lone season of you know of, of college basketball but you know I, I think so many scouts rendered him a lost cause on that end of the floor because of that you know struggled play um but as we've talked about he's got the potential to become stronger you know yeah, he's, he's yeah. capable of playing with or without the ball in his hands and i i think he's gonna be a you know badass second unit scorer in the nba i am uh, I, I thought number 20 was crazy for him to fall to. 
I mean, he was averaging 17 points per game, you know, and, uh, you know, more than 20 per game in the last, uh, in their, in their final 10 games at OSU. So, um, yeah, well, and it's, you know, it's, it's important to realize too, um, you know, if you follow big 10 basketball, you, you know, he missed like what a month with COVID in the last season. So, you know, as we've seen athletes struggle on and off with the, the effects of COVID, like that definitely impacted, you know, his, the numbers he put up and probably the effort he was able to put out onto the court, unfortunately. Definitely. You know, another guy who averaged over 20 points per game in, um, in college and did it for two years also, uh, went undrafted Scotty Pippen Jr. out of Vanderbilt um, you know he just signed with the Lakers and he's going to try to I'm sure challenge for a roster spot but uh, I mean was you know was just consistent for you know two seasons and uh, for, for for whatever reason was left out in the cold undrafted you know yeah yeah well and you know it was an interesting year for uh undrafted players related to other you know basketball names buddy Beheim, uh believe oh, yeah. signed signed with uh the pistons uh so that that's another interesting name to keep an eye on i'm not certain he's an nba talent but uh It'll certainly be to see yeah definitely uh interesting to watch and you know next year uh as, as we were talking about iowa players is uh i could be wrong here but it is is one of Fran McCaffrey's kids <laughs> be draft eligible next year. I believe so. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Um, Cause I think that he has name? four playing for Iowa. Oh my gosh. It's insane. Um, there was uh, one other uh, athlete. It was uh, Patrick Baldwin jr. I believe. Yeah. He uh, was drafted by the bucks, but um you know, he opted to go and play for the University of, was it Wisconsin-Milwaukee, I think it was, and because his dad's the head coach. Yeah, and yeah. And I, I mean, I think just that he wasn't surrounded by good players. He struggled. I, you know, um, his numbers weren't that great. Uh, but, um, you know, obviously he's going to get an opportunity. Uh, everyone has seen through that. But, uh, um yeah, I think it. Yeah, it was the University of uh, Milwaukee, I believe, or something. Something, something crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty extensive network of state schools. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but sure. yeah, yeah uh, trying a couple of good names there. It'll be interesting to see how they how they wrap up next year, um, and you know how they how they develop. You know, beyond Definitely. next season. Uh, I think that uh, I think all three of the names that we really highlighted have a chance to uh make an impact in the next season and if not the next season the next two or three years for sure and if you guys want to tell us out there about your favorite most hated uh or flat out snubs that you felt uh, went down in the nba draft um make sure to uh hit us up yeah you can uh, tell them where they can go follow us on twitter at underrated pod that's under underscore rated underscore pod um and you can find uh this episode and all of our other episodes wherever podcasts can be found whether that be spotify apple podcasts or uh you know any other podcast platform um that's all we've got for you today uh we'll be back next week talking about a couple more underrated athletes boom